Climber, do you have what it takes to pitch your own songs and get them cut? Are you ready to hire a song plugger? Well, we're going to dive into all that and more on today's episode. Johnny, do that thing you do. Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's just the bottom line of what you're going to need. It's Listen, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because you don't need anybody's permission. They can't make you into dancing chicken. If you can prove that your art, the way that you want to do it, has value and that people are responding and people are following and you have an audience and you have cash flow, everybody that you want to talk to in the music industry will come out of the woodwork to talk to you. That's where you want to be. That's why we called it the climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. Brilliant. Thank you. That's a backstory <laughs> from my good friend, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's a hit songwriter, by the way, with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got a couple number ones in Southern Gospel in the last couple years, couple two years, couple two, three years. Something. And still making miracles happen. But what's really cool about Brent, besides the fact that he's a saint, and he imports children from China, and and him and his <laughs> him and his wife are awesome. Is that he also helps songwriters like you, not just Chinese kids, but songwriters <laughs> like you, turn pro by revealing how to write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then once you got your act together, you need to have relationships. So then he puts you in touch with the pros. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S, and there's no S because there is no other Johnny D. Hey, hey, how you living? Living large, man. Got a kid yeah. home, sick from school today, a little Hurricane Hazel. And uh, so God bless my wife, homeschooling and has Hazel home. So <laughs> with that being said, I'm really happy to be recording right now because I'm like, I got an appointment. Yeah. I, I got to be in the office. I, I got to work. I got to work. work. I got, got a kid uh, homesick from school today, too. Oh, yeah. I was a little banged up from last night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's from school. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can call going to school. Going like, to school. If you want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, we got a lot going on. We had a great, man, we had the best party a couple nights ago for Nashville Nights. We just sort of had the regroup. I had a big old barbecue. And mm-hmm. man, gosh, CJ Fields was here. TJ was here. TJ Box and mm-hmm. D. Michael Williams, or D. Vincent Williams, sorry. And Jan Michael Vincent. Yeah. Jan Michael Michael Vincent. Yeah. We talked <laughs> about, uh, we, we talked about White Lightning. No, it was just great, man. There was probably, I don't know, 30 songwriters here. And, we had a fire pit in the back, right? Mm-hmm. I was grilling up hamburgers and hot dogs, and everybody was mowing it down. Then we did smoked old fashions, and I w- I am proud to say that Stevenson uh, Williams. Williams is a fan of my smoked old fashions. He had a couple, and we all had a couple, and it was really fun. CJ, CJ feel like it too. He's he's Grammy nom, you know. He's right with mm-hmm. Ashley, like he's got it going on. Like it was so fun. Ava Page was here and slayed the room. Mm-hmm. When you're in a room full of hit writers and then you drop one, everybody's just like, oh, and mm-hmm. it's like so good. They're like pissed off. Yeah. Like impressed no. off. Yeah. 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 It's like, damn, you know, like I wish that one was mine. Like that was good. And Marla co-wrote that with her, which yes. is fun. We just had her on the show. So anyway, we had that going on. And tonight is it's sort of, um, let's just call it a soft open, if you will. But mm-hmm. We're going to try to, we've been doing the Nashville Nights thing in Phoenix, and at the end of the month, we're going to be down there. We've got like two club shows where we're doing it, and then our first house party, which is kind of cool, So which is really fun. But tonight is, we're doing it in Nashville at the local, and so we have Lee- um, Thomas Miller? No. Majors. Lee Majors. You got Lee Majors? That's (laughs) awesome. The $68 man. Yes. Oh my gosh, I can't. My, my brain is so fried right now. <laughs> we gotta hit a songwriter. He, I'm he's really, really glad angry. this is my episode. 
he's really huge. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to do the interview thing with him. Nice. Like, Blue and I are. And then and there's going to be a round where he's in it and everything like that. So we're not doing any of the camera stuff on this one. It's just kind of like some logistic stuff that mm-hmm. we figured out where a lot of the bodies are buried. And now we know how to do it better next time. But yeah. Anyway, so that's kind of cool. So we're going to just see if we can market this thing. And yeah, if Americans are going to be as interested in like the meet the writers kind of a thing mm-hmm. as as they are in Denmark. Yeah. As, as the Danes are. So anyway, super excited about that, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. So so we're going to learn about how to get a cut. Yeah. So I am I'm going to be pulling from this uh, this book, Song Plugger, The Cuts and Bruises, that was written by Penny Dion and Troy McConnell. Ooh. And I got this sucker back in some of the episodes recently been some of these old books that I've pulled out that have are like packed with goodies. I'm trying to remember what year this was. This was a while back when we got this. I'm not even sure what year. The 2008, it says copyright 2008. So it's got a little quote intro by Chris Oglesby. But basically what they do, Penny was a song plugger. And she went and she and Troy interviewed all these different song pluggers and producers and, and different people. And just like an inside look at the business of song plugging, how it's done, including 27 industry inter- interviews. So just a lot of good stuff in there. The industry's obviously changed since 2008, but a lot of the principles are are still golden. Mm-hmm. And so I thought it'd be fun to kind of dive into that. I have some fun stories out of this. I just wanted to share with you, dear climber, and hopefully we'll motivate you and educate you on your journey. All right. I love it. Well, first, let's take care of a little business. Join yes. the climb community if you haven't done so. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the climb community. You have to ask to be let in. We let everybody in though. Mm-hmm. And we want to hear all about your gigs mm-hmm. and we want to hear all about your new songs. Mm-hmm. And every single week, every week, we want to hear about all these different things. And we want to hear about your new wins and all that, but we give you a place to put it. It's not in the feed. So it's just a simple rule. Be nice and put, everything where it's supposed to go. If you don't put it where it's supposed to go, you're going to get roadhoused. So mm-hmm. we, we just protect this community like with everything we got, man, like everything yeah. we got, because this is a cool community. And so do not spam. If you put that crap in the feed, we know you don't even listen to the podcast. Like somehow you just got in. <laughs> I don't even know how they find us, but all right. God bless them. But we have new heights every Wednesday, which is where everybody like shouts out their wins mm-hmm. like that. And just on that post, you can put everything you want. We have new music. Was it new music Monday? Right? Like, uh, we have Music Monday, which we encourage you to share your music as a comment in the comment under that post. And we have Gig Alert on Thursdays, so you can let us know where you're playing out that weekend. That's where that belongs in the comments there. It's like we have fridges for these different things. Keep your milk in the fridge. If you don't, it spoils and nobody's happy. There you go. That's it. And you can put stuff in the feed, but the stuff in the feed has to be universal. It's not about you. It's about something that's going to help everybody. You run across a really cool article a really cool book or something that's funny, you know what I mean? That that's interesting or that is going to be consumed by this group of singers, songwriters and indie artists and any musicians, then by all means, put it in there. I just put in, by the way, did you see that? Like the top 10 lighting mistakes that beginners make? Yeah. I saw, I haven't clicked on it yet, but I saw it. One of my gurus, one of my lighting gurus in my cinematography guru guys, and I've spent money on his bigger courses that were really valuable but he's got this thing by the time everybody hears it's gonna be too late so if you don't see it it's like the first week this launch he's got like a lighting master class course that he put together and in the first week you can get like 25 percent off and it's this whole master class course literally for 147 dollars i mean this is how you can make your friggin iphone a rock star instrument a rockstar yeah. tool and it really is about the lighting and everything and that's the difference between something that just looks amateur and something that looks pro and i mean 147 bucks for an education that nobody can ever take away from you is man that's just worth it you know but the mm-hmm. video itself was just 10 top 10 mistake that's free it's right there nice and so you can learn some different stuff. So anyway, that's what goes on in the client community. So add to that, right? Like that whole thing was just mm-hmm. going to be great for everybody there. I think Casey Bali commented on it right away. Like, oh my God, this is amazing. And <laughs> yeah. I'm sure a couple of people took advantage of it, but that's it. So we got any Wednesday wins? Of course we always do, but more than we have time to share, but we'll share just a couple. Uh, climber Kathy Wallace says, found out a song I wrote with Sal Cosin- Cosentino. 
was picked up by Crucial Music for pitching to film and TV, and it's a Christmas tune. So, Merry Christmas, Kathy Wallace, and I hope uh, it becomes a Christmas miracle. Yeah, way to go, Kathy Wallace. And so that's a good one. Let's see here. We have uh, Brad Hacker. A song written with Patrick Adams, Michael Parker, and Chris Tiscarino is getting a re-listen for a major artist thanks to some good writing and another amazing Troy Johnson demo. I'm telling you, kids, if you don't have some Troy Johnson demos in your catalog, I highly recommend that you do. So, Yeah, well, here at The Climb, we swear by Troy Johnson. Yes, we do. I mean, you at hear his voice every... And at the end of every... Second. Time on the intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's the one singing the song. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's right. So, hey, follow the podcast or subscribe wherever you consume it and make sure that you tell a friend about it. That's really the big thing. Help us help them. Right. Like you're listening. Right. Because I met another climber last night at the writer show. So we had last night was kind of a big night. Like we had Bridget Tatum, who wrote. Mm-hmm. She's country. Shoot. Yeah. For Jason Aldean. Number one. Yeah. Shoot. From a cow from her luck. Country roots to her cowboy boot or cowboy boots to her country. The down home roots. But, yeah. You nailed that. She just launched her new publishing company, and so mm-hmm. they had a big party, and like a proper party, right? Open bar, orders, <laughs> the whole thing at Analog yeah. in Nashville, which was really fun. A bunch of people were there, and then everybody left from there, including Bridget, and like Emma Zink is her first artist that they signed, which is mm-hmm. really cool, and I'm a like huge fan of Emma. We just, yeah, Emma's like, great. Absolutely love her writing, her singing, and she's also just a monster guitar player, which, yeah. of course, is from my mothership i love her for that but then everybody heads over to the local because there was freak show and it was just an amazing freak show and like it was a good time man good deal and i had a point to this the point is apparently to make brent feel sucky that he's not in nashville enough because he's <laughs> done not the, party, the live thing tonight and the thing last night oh, so and then i met a climber there you know came and up you and, met say, a climber. Hey. and brody right brody yeah brody hey Kemper. brody I think his name was. And he came over. He's just like, man, I heard your voice and I recognize your voice. You're Johnny, right? I was like, yeah. And I'm like, dude, I, I listened to the climb. I'm like, oh my God, let's take a picture. And so we took a picture. I posted it like in the climb community right then and there because that's fun. I love it when they, you know, climbers come up and say, hey. But anyway, yep. man, so listen, y'all listen. Y'all get excited about this. There's, there's something that we're bringing here to, that you're finding valuable, which thrills Brent and I to death. But tell somebody about it. Let them know and, and, and turn them on to the podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And had them go. So that's it. Let's uh, let's get into the sucker. Let's get into chitty chatty. I get a cut. All right. So this is from Song Plugger, the cuts and the bruises, which I believe is available on Amazon. You can check some other online retailers, but mine is starting to fall apart. <laughs> so, but that's okay. So it's my music career. So, but um, bump. No. So this first interview. So there are like twenty-seven industry interviews with people. And this is with Cheryl Blackman. So Cheryl is a well-known independent song plugger. He's worked with tons of people, gotten a bunch of cuts and mm-hmm. just been in the business for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Cheryl too. So he wrote the book. No, no, no. He is one of the interviews. Oh, so okay. I'm going to pull the, there's this great story. I just want to, it's about what, so this episode is titled was, what does it take to get a cut? And basically spoiler alert, it takes perseverance. And so Cheryl has a great story about perseverance and I just think it's a hoot. So I just wanted to share it. So, Penny asked him, do you have a great story about perseverance? He goes, yeah, I had this one song I really believed in. So again, this is Cheryl Blackman. I pitched it all over Nashville. I pitched it. Everyone liked it, went on hold a few times, and then got dropped. I kept thinking somebody has to cut this song. So I wanted to play for Al Cooley, who at the time was A&R for Atlantic Records. I was told that if you wanted to play a song for Al, you just had to go over and sit in the lobby and wait for him. But I was also told, don't call Al because he won't return your phone call. He'll see you there and ask you in his office to play the song. So you just got to go over to the lobby, sit there, and wait for him to come out. He'll see you. He'll ask you back. So I went over and sat in the lobby waiting for Al to come out. That was on a Monday or a Tuesday afternoon. I sat there and I waited an hour, two hours, three hours. It probably turned out to be like three and a half hours. And then Al finally comes out of his office and says, so what do you have for me? I told him, Al, I have one up-tempo song. I really believe in it. And he looked me in his eye and goes, and he looks at his watch. He goes, well, I don't have time today. Come back tomorrow. So the next day, I go back again, and I sit in the lobby for one hour, two hours, three hours, and it got to be around like quarter to five. Al comes out and sees me sitting and says, oh, yeah, you're supposed to come back today and play me a song, right? I said, yes. He looks at his watch and says, well, I got a bowling match. I don't have time today. Come back again tomorrow. So I come back the next day, and I'm sitting there for an hour. Third day. I'm sitting there for an hour, two hours, probably two and a half hours, when he finally comes out and he looks at me and says, you got one song, right? 
I said, yeah, it's just one song. He says, all right, come and play me this song. It better be good. I went back to his office, played him the song, and he loved it. He listened to it over and over again. He put it on hold and told me that he was sending it to John Michael Montgomery. So this is kind of back in the day. He said, don't be surprised if John Michael calls you. Al said that he was sure John would really love the song. He sent it to John Michael, and sure enough, about three days later, John Michael called me and said, I love it, and he ended up cutting it. The song was called Lucky Arms, and it got cut on the 39th pitch. Wow. So, yes. And, and so, Pendy says, or Troy says, wow, that's actually a really great story about perseverance. Cheryl says, it was just the right song at the right time. <laughs> it took three days of sitting in the lobby, just waiting it out. But I realized that Al was testing me. He wanted to see how much I believed in that song. Al used to be a plugger from the old days. He said that he was tested and that he was testing people to see if they had what it took. I told other song pluggers what they had to do if they wanted to get in to see Al Cooley during that time, but not many of them did it. Anyway, there was a 39th pitch on that song. So I think there's so much to dig out of that. Yep. I mean, for one... Cheryl was connected enough in the community for somebody to have the intel to tell him, like, yeah, don't bother calling Al. You got to go and sit in his office, right? Mm-hmm. One, connection, somebody told him that. So don't yep. disregard that part. Otherwise, he wouldn't have known. He'd just been calling going, I wonder why he never calls me back or returns mm-hmm. my emails or whatever. Two, he did it. Like, he went and he sat there for, what, three, three and a half hours of the first day? Mm-hmm. And he waited. Over three hours the second day. Three hours the second day, three, hours, three hours or whatever. The th- I mean, we're talking, dude. Ten hours. Yeah, he's invested ten hours sitting there waiting to play one song for this person. And it worked out. I mean, I have I have that John Michael Montgomery album behind me somewhere, and I have that song. I was like, I know that song. It's a good song. Mm-hmm. And he had to pitch it 39 times and sit in a dude's office for ten hours over three days. Mm. That's that kind of perseverance of like, and it's one song. Some people would want to say, well, if I'm going to sit for 10 hours, I'm going to load that mofo up <laughs> with like as many songs until he kicks me out of his office. Right? Yeah, right. But no, I got one song. Just about one song. I believe in one it. Song. I'm not going to overload you and leave you wanting less. I'm going to leave you wanting more. And so it worked. It worked out. So 39 pitches. Wow. I thought that was really cool. Well, you know what? Like, like something else comes to mind here. And that mm-hmm. is that I think about the story behind. American Kids, right? Which is mm-hmm. the Kenny Chesney I, I'm not number a huge one. Kenny Chesney fan. I, I'm just not like, but mm-hmm. that song is not only my favorite Kenny Chesney song, but like one of my favorite country songs. Look, like, I just love it. it. Speaks to me. You know what I yeah. mean? It's all about the '80s kids and all. That. Yeah. So it's like it's like my. It's about me. If you ask me, you know, and I love it. But that was first pitched to Lady A. Yeah. Now this is a hit song. It's yes. an undeniable hit song, and mm-hmm. Lady A passes because it's not a hit song for them. Right, and I could kind of hear them on it, but yet I can also hear them not on it. It's like I see why they pitched it, it to them. It's hard to hear anybody else after Kenny. It, well, it is, but I could see like, it. oh, that's okay. I could see why you could pitch that to them. That that seems like an intelligent pitch. Yeah, yeah, but it's not a bad pitch. They didn't see it, so it's like it's like so. You, there's so many variables on this, mm-hmm. right? That are about is it the right song for the artist Mm -hmm. is it the right song maybe it is the right song for that specific artist but not right now yeah right like maybe it's going to be next record or the record after that Mm -hmm. or i think too often we get hung i remember when i first got into the mortgage industry when i was doing the finance thing and the first company i worked for was ameriquest and ameriquest had this hugely awesome training program for two weeks you got paid to go up and train Mm-hmm. Right to learn about mortgages and learn how it's done and learn their software and this whole thing. And it's like you're, I mean, everybody's just a babe in the woods, man. Like yeah. nobody knows it. And they're just teaching people with go get them mentality and salespeople that how to do mortgages, right? Mm-hmm. And how to put one together and what we're selling, blah, blah. And I remember the regional manager saying, okay, now towards the end of the training, he's like, now you're all going to go home and everybody, trust me, you're all going to start obsessing over the first loan. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. You know what I mean? And don't because you're going to waste so much time worrying about that one file. What you need to be doing is creating more files. Just start putting boatloads of files into the pipe because some of them are going to drop out. You know, there's nothing Mm -hmm. worse than worrying about that long process on the first one and you're banking all your apples in that one basket and then it doesn't go through. Right. And then you're like, oh, now you're just defeated. But if you've got 20 in the pipe, Mm -hmm. 
it's a different story. You know what I mean? And so I feel like that was, I think so many people put so much emphasis on one song, especially in the beginning. If it's your first one, that's yeah. getting some, some a little bit of love, a little attention, a little bit of love. And then some of the real amateurs, which are like, well, I got these three songs. I'm going to demo them and just see how they do before I decide. If <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm going to choose this life. And I don't think that the real songwriters choose songwriting. I think. Yeah. Songwriting chooses them. Have to write. Brent, you tried to not choose songwriting and look at what happened to you. (laughs) I mean, when I was in college, I was in college when I started writing lyric and I'd been writing other stuff before that, but that was just the thing that that was the key that unlocked the door. And that was like, Oh, happy place. Yeah. But I was like, I I better go get a, a degree in business and stuff and go do something else and just to have my backup and just miserable anytime i've had to go do something else it's like because mm-hmm. i've had there have been times i've had to do other things and it sucks mm-hmm. it just sucks that it's is not just, my it happy doesn't place work, man. well me too i mean like i started out touring i was on tour when i was 19 or 20 and mm-hmm. my first band went in seventh grade and then when they lifted up the needle on the whole genre i just was like well i didn't see that one coming i couldn't think mm-hmm. of a million ways this one was going to go sideways that was that not one wasn't of them. One of them. Yeah, that was yeah. That one. just like everybody's done. Everybody really like, yeah. damn. And we've done so. So then I just got into business and it was so strange. On one hand, I remember leaving Nashville to go to LA and honestly thinking on the way out of town as I drove, I know I'm about to go on this journey and I know everything I'm going to learn on this journey is going to bring me back here. Like I just mm-hmm. kind of knew it. I don't know yeah. how. And then 15 years later, mm-hmm. after the whole financial meltdown, and that was me trying to adult, and I'm just like, oh, well, this is friggin' chaos, and I might as well just go, I can get this kind of chaos doing what I love to do. You know yeah. what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it was, you didn't choose songwriting. Songwriting chose you. Yeah. I didn't choose music. Music chose me. It had me mm-hmm. from the beginning, man, and I just was like fascinated with it. And so I think that's, so there is no, we're just going to see how these three do. And yeah. no, man, like you're writing. If you're not writing, you're afraid that you're going to be climbing a tower with a gun. You're going to be on the six o'clock news. Yeah. So just keep pumping and pumping. And yeah. Pumping. You got to just keep. I mean, because I, I mean, I'm, I can guarantee that's not the only song that Cheryl was pitching at the time. Sure. Not the only door he was. Not the only lobby no, he walked the into. I mean, I'm just talking about like from the writer yes. perspective. You have to. And from the plugging perspective. Stories that we had when we in mm-hmm. Denmark. It's like, oh, I got 15 top 10 hits. So that's awesome. Yeah. And so how many bruises you got? Oh, like 1,500. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, At least. Like, yeah. Or more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Blue's written 2,500 songs. It's yeah. Just like, and they all are pretty damn good. Yeah. And there's some gems in there to be sure. Mm-hmm. It's just that thing. It's just, it's a volume thing now, especially now. Yeah, it really is. And so that leads to another story. Penny, it says, you know, that's a great example of not giving up on a song you believe in. What keeps you believing in a song? So there's just something about it that really turns me on. I'm really passionate about it. I'm going to play that song until everybody's heard it and passed on it. I've got another story about not giving up on a song that you believe in. There's a new artist on Equity Records named Laura Berna. So this is 2008. And one of the songs that she cut on our album, I had pitched for years over and over again. When Laura cut it, I went back to see how many times I pitched it and counted 132 times to get the cut. Wow. Because wow. you believe in it. And how many of us want to give up after somebody didn't believe in it once or twice? And there's a, there's a balance to it. There's believing in your songs but then also being open to feedback and having a desire to learn and grow and get better. Like I believed in a lot of my early songs. Now I can look back on it and go, what was I believing in? That was, that's crazy. Cause that song is not great at all. It's maybe decent, but at the time I believed in it. But what kept me from being stuck there is what you talked about, Johnny, the desire to create, like I have to keep writing songs. So naturally mm-hmm. I was getting better cause I was working hard at it. And I was open and wanted to learn and wanted to grow. So there's there's a balance of not beating a dead horse, of being honest with yourself, of taking feedback. It's, does this just really suck? Versus keeping moving forward so that eventually, you know, you get better and maybe look back and go, no, no, this is still a great song. I'm going to keep pitching it or go, you know what? I'm a lot better now. I have better songs. I'm going to put that one out to pasture. There's a balance to it. You know what? Like, so we just, we're starting to get mixes back now on the Josh Roy record, right? Mm-hmm. And we've been doing this whole writing process since February. Writers have been going down to Arizona doing that whole thing. And Blue, Fully, Trick Savage, and Josh wrote this 
Sandra, just I just want to give you a perspective from like the producer side and from the executive producer side, right? Mm-hmm. They wrote this song that I just freaking love called I Don't Decide. And the song oh, yeah. is about the music business, but mm-hmm. from the perspective of the honky tonk. Yeah. Right? Like, I mean, from the perspective, I've seen him come, I've seen him go and come right back again. Some that make it, some that won't, a superstar now and then. Yeah. They want to climb up on my stage looking for that big time ride, but I'm just a honky tonk. I don't decide. That's the chorus. Yeah, know? that's so good. And it's like chill bumps, right? It's This song is like probably of all the songs they wrote, this is one of my favorite songs. And when it was time to choose the five that we're going to put together for the EP, it didn't make the cut. And it yeah. wasn't because it wasn't good. It was just mm-hmm. like, and it almost was a little heartbreaking for me because I love the song. Yeah. But there was another song that they have too that was called Cowboy Still Ride. That is such a freaking good song. But Josh isn't a cowboy. Yeah. He's a country boy. Mm-hmm. This is a boy that literally, like, he went out, we bought a bunch of clothes for him. Yeah. Like, he went out and we spent like 5,000 bucks on a wardrobe because mm-hmm. he needed like new clothes. So he looks like an And we're yeah. like, Josh. Like, we had to have to talk with him. You can't go fix your freaking air conditioner up in the attic wearing these pants, okay? You understand <laughs> the words that are coming out of my mouth. You know yeah. what I mean? He's like, yeah, because he will. You know what I mean? He yeah. just, he don't think about it like that. Yeah. And so when I'm sitting with Zach, who co-produced the record with me, Zach Allen, and he's just like, man, is he a cowboy? And I'm like, he's not. He doesn't do that work. So with this song is can he sell that as good as the song is and it's so good mm. and it sounds so good when he sings it like it's all there but then it's like is that authentic for him you know what i mean and, yeah and so it's like a really hard decision that we had to make we're like no i don't think maybe i change my mind later mm-hmm. you know what i mean but it was like maybe you know cody johnson sings this would yeah. sing the fire out of this and make yeah. it because he's a friggin rodeo star too yeah I don't decide. Do you know what we came, what it really came down to? It was like the scope of the audience. Like I'm getting chill bumps, but that's because I really get the music business. Yeah. And I'm, I'm knee deep in it, but is mm-hmm. the average consumer really going to freaking understand? Yeah. And connect with that mm-hmm. song. And the question, since the answer was, I don't know. Yeah. And we had these other songs where we're like, we know. Are going to connect on this. There was the choice, right? Yeah. And it's not. It's like it, but it's a painful choice because even me, I, like, as the I got, I can pull that lever. Yeah. I can pull that lever and talk that artist into doing that. I have that power in this situation. Yeah. I really love that freaking song, but I had to be intellectually honest with myself mm-hmm. and be like, no. Yeah. That's one of those things that it's not about the quality of the song. I mean, when it comes yeah. down to. If you have an embarrassment of riches, if you project has, if you're a Lee Bryce, if you're a Tim McGraw, if you're a Carrie Underwood or whatever, you get the best of the best stuff thrown at you, right? People are wanting hits with you. And so you have no shortage of really great songs, like really strong songs that you could cut. Not like we can't find anything decent to cut. No, it's probably the opposite. Like, wow, we have too many. Yeah. Okay, now we got to find reasons to whittle this down. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good. Well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah, and so you weren't looking like in the Josh Roar case, even who's not a big star yet. Yeah, we got to find reasons to say no to some of these songs. We got to get rid of some of these songs. Okay, what's going to make the difference? Well, in his case, it came down to what fits best his personal brand, his bio that you can build stuff around. Like we can't do a bunch of cowboy stuff, marketing stuff around the song because it's not authentic to who he is. It give a false impression of who he is, especially first project. You really want to get across who this guy is, who this artist is. So that didn't quite fit. I don't decide. Yeah, and it's say like, that say that part again. Like say that part again. Like the first pro- the first mm-hmm. thing we're going to release, man. We have to be Nazis about the brand yeah. to make sure that all those songs really are authentic for that artist before we can stretch out a little bit, mm-hmm. because we have to paint a clear picture on who he is and what he does. He does not wear a cowboy hat. He wears yeah. a ball cap. Mm-hmm. He is a rugged dude. Like he's a do-it-yourself kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I can fix this engine. I can fix that trailer. I can fix my own AC. He loves to go camping with his yeah. kids. Like he can disappear for three days. So he's not a, a city five boy by any stretch of right. imagination. So th- there's gray area where maybe mm-hmm. the Cowboy Still Ride song, which is so amazingly good, yeah, could work for him, but not on the first record you right. know what i mean yeah, it's just like wanna... we have to be crystal clear exactly exactly i mean but that's a lot of nuance isn't it like it, but it's... it is i had a probably a similar thing happen with lady a so i wrote a song called a woman scorned with mm-hmm. hillary and casey kessel and lee I armstrong that yes that's arm. right we did get another <laughs> cut on that and so i wrote with hillary back before she knew charles or dave and she loved it and she played it out, and she had like a development deal on RCA at the time as a solo artist. So he eventually met Charles and Dave, and they formed Lady Annabellum, and they started playing out. And they played it like in all their shows. Like you can find it on YouTube, them singing A Woman Scorned, and mm-hmm. all their stuff, pre-record deal. And so when it came time for that first album, they cut it because they loved it. Great energy, big rock and tempo thing. Went over live thing. well for them oh, already. So it already been proven yeah, live. Yeah, yeah. And so All those it's boxes like, are checked. All right. the boxes are checked. And then they, when it came time to whittle it down from the 14 they cut to the 11 that made the actual final record, the main project, it fell off. Why? And I didn't understand that at the time because I'm like, it's heard part of in the studio. I was in the studio for a little bit of here and there and it sounds great. But then when the record came out, I got to hear the whole thing. I'm like, yeah, that's not, it's more aggressive than their other stuff. Mm-hmm. It's pushing the envelope in one area that they just didn't go to. They didn't go to that place. They didn't get beat by another song that had similar energy that was better. No, they just didn't go there. And you're like, okay, it's not quite their brand. It's a situational thing too. I mean, in this case, maybe it wasn't quite their brand, but also it could be like, you know what? Like once we finally start to put the album together, right? Mm -hmm. Or the EP together, and it starts to take on a vibe, a, a, feel, a, a, feel, a vibe yeah. a, a, as a collective artwork. Mm-hmm. And then it, some of the stuff starts to stick out. And so all yeah. of a sudden it's like, okay, this one maybe just doesn't fit yeah. on this album because of the tone. And in this mm-hmm. case, but they did cut it and they, they did, did release it overseas, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Th- that particular one was a like a track. bonus track. And then I had another one that ended up being like iTunes Europe called Last Night Last, which is still one of my favorite songs. So it's just like things happen. So like in Cheryl's case, he pitched that song 139 times or whatever. And the John Michael thing, he'd pitched 39. It doesn't mean it's a bad song. It just means it's hadn't found the right home yet. Yeah. And so that's what I hope you'll take away from this as a climber is that it may mean that your songs need to get better. And that's always one thing we should take from it is always the answer is get better. Right. That's always the answer. But it doesn't mean that that song is not good enough. It might. But it might just mean it needs to find its right home. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad Cheryl didn't give up on those songs because they end up getting cut. And so that kind of perseverance, yeah. where are you going to give up? And this is, and the reason I bring this up is I believe songwriters need to pitch their own songs. 
right? Unless mm-hmm. you're just such a not a people person that having your name and face associated with that song is going to hurt its chances, <laughs> right? Yeah. But mm-hmm. there are many of you. I mean, obviously, if you listen to the climb, you're you're cut above the normal songwriter. So you're you need to be thinking about this. Like, how can I get my songs out there? I mean, you're talking about situation, time, and place. I had the Joe Nichols sing where I've been pitching my own songs for a while and my publisher didn't know what to do with the song crickets. And so I didn't do anything with it. So Bill and Lisa and I just started pitching around ourselves. And I got, I think a, at one point, maybe an Easton Corbin hold on it. I'd gotten some interest here and there, you know, pitching it around and, and I'd pitched it to Joe Nichols camp when he was on universal South. And I played it for Mark Wright, who was like the head of the label there. And he passed on it directly. I was sitting in his office. He passed on it like, dead gummit because i just felt like this is a good joe nichols pitch mm-hmm. but then two years later or something universal south is not around anymore joe's over on red bow on part of the broken bow label and so i'm able to get it to the head of that label benny brown and i send it to benny mm-hmm. and he loves it and sends it to joe and joe loves it and it's like then it got cut and became the title track to the cricket record and Good thing I didn't give up just, well, Mark Wright didn't. And Mark Wright, he's a pro. He knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's had his hand in a ton of hits. So it's not any, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He, he just has a certain taste. And, yeah, and maybe, just, that's maybe, the business. Maybe Mark, Wright, maybe Mark Wright makes the same decision that Benny Brown did two years later if he yeah. was still at, at the helm. And maybe, you know what, maybe he doesn't because that's not just what he hears Yeah, for him as the producer because mm-hmm. he's a monster producer. Yeah, too. he's great. Yeah. And writer, yeah, and, and writer, and, and but and so it's a different taste thing. It's like, yeah. man, it's like, what color are you going to paint the living room? Well, yeah, there's you, a million choices that are going to be killer, exactly, and some that are just going to be patently, objectively horrible, <laughs> right? And so, obviously, yeah, he knows what he's doing. So does Benny and that camp, and and but it's just hanging on to it. Going, you know what? No, I still believe this is this is a quality song, quality Joe Nichols pitch, and then the circumstances around him changed where he could hear it himself. And it got cut. I mean, but there are mm-hmm. stories of pitching the same artist multiple times. My friend Matt Lindsay, you know, he he's pitched, well, speaking of Joe Nichols, the song, Who Are You and I'm Not Looking. Joe Nichols cut oh. that. It was an album track. And so it got cut. But Lindsay was like, this is a Blake Shelton hit. This is a Blake Shelton hit. And he kept pitching it to that camp. And it's like, hey, Joe's cut it, but he didn't single it. And finally, they were like, okay, I'll play it for Blake. But. If he says no, don't you ever, I don't want to ever hear the song again. Stop beating down my door. Yeah. And Blake loved it. Single, it was a number one. Yeah. And so it's like, even after he got the cut, he's like, there's there's a bigger, because he did, Joe didn't single it, let's keep going. And so that yeah. kind of perseverance you need as a songwriter, if you want, I mean, how many cuts wouldn't happen if people just gave up on that stuff? I mean, Monday Morning mm. Church was on hold a couple times for different artists before it landed with Alan. I mean, that's just a natural course of events. You don't take it personal. you just like, I'm going to keep going until we find this sucker a home. And so I want to encourage you all to keep And hey, it. remind me, I'm saying this on air to go on record, but remind we need to have Cheryl on the show. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. We do need to have that. I can make that happen. Okay, yeah, I, I can reach out to him too. But yes, let's do that. So... Climbers, if you hear this, remind us. We're Cheryl Blackman. Yeah, there you go. All right, so here's another part of an interview, and this is with Steve Seskin. So Steve is, man, just he's had so many hits from Grown Men Don't Cry by Tim McGraw, Don't Laugh at Me, which is the NSAI Song of the Year and Music Row Magazine Song of the Year by Mark Wills, No Doubt About It, and for a change for Neil McCoy, No Man's Land, If You Got Love for John Michael Montgomery, Daddy's Money for Ricochet, a bunch of Colin Ray stuff. All I need to know about Kenny Chesney. So he's just had just a bunch of stuff. And so they asked him, how can a writer know if they're ready to hire a song plugger? Mm. Interesting. So we, I firmly believe even if you have a song plugger, even if you have a publishing deal, you need to be out there building relationships, pushing your own songs, plugging your own songs. Mm. Because what happens if that plugger gets hit by a bus or you can't afford that plugger anymore? Or if you lose your publishing deal, all of a sudden, oop, I don't know anybody, right? You don't want that mm-hmm. situation. It's an all hands on deck situation. So how can a writer know if they're ready to hire song pluggers? So this is from Steve Seskin. He goes, I think you need to have been writing for a while. And I mean more than just a year or two. It takes a while to get good enough to compete. The reality is when a song gets pitched, the whole town could hear it in like a week. And then there's no one else to pitch it to for a while. I mean, you've got a plugger on retainer. So usually these independent song pluggers like a Cheryl Blackman or these other people, Shane Barrett, typically they will say, okay, you pay me this much a month on retainer and I pitch your stuff and send you pitch logs and let you know what's up 
So typically they're on retainer. Mm-hmm. So you're paying them every month. And if you only have one song and everyone's heard it in a week, come on. So Seskin says, I would wait until you have a catalog of a competitive songs. So that way your song plugger has a choice of material to pitch. Before you pay somebody to pitch your songs, I think you should have gotten positive, even more than positive, really amazing feedback from lots of sources, from other people in the business or somebody at ASCAP, NSAI, CSAC, Songwriting Pro. Another way to gauge if your songs are ready is to play them out. If you're gaining a following, if everybody loves your songs and keeps saying you ought to get that song to so-and-so, but you have no idea how to do that, it might be a good time to get in a relationship with a song plugger. So there we go. Yeah. It's it takes more than just I've got some songs. All I need to do is get them to so and so. Yeah. Well, what kind of feedback have you been getting? I mean, pluggers can I don't know hundreds of dollars a month to have them on retainer, yeah. and hopefully that, makes that one song very expensive to plug. Very expensive, and the chance of making that money back mm-mm, after a couple yeah. months because it can take years to place a particular song, if ever. There's still so yeah. many great songs out there that deserve to be cut that just haven't because they haven't found that home. And so part of it is what kind of feedback are you getting from people? Are you consistently getting this is really, really good? And not just one song, but a bunch of songs that you're building because you want to build a career, not just trying to get one song cut. And a, a song plugger that has integrity is not going to take retainer if you only have one song that's worth a darn. Or no songs. <laughs> you have something of value to them, which is money. But the ones with integrity are not going to let you pay them because they know they can't. They can't provide their end of the deal. They can't get you cuts or get yeah, you. It's not a money shakedown for them. They're they're going to pitch what they're being paid to pitch, and they're mm-hmm. damn sure not going to walk in with, with an amateur song. Yeah, and and just see what happens. Right. They already know. What yeah. it looks like. Yeah, because that those doors will no longer be open to them if they start walking in yeah. with pay-to-play songs. Which is how they make their li- – you know, that is a song plugger's living, is mm-hmm. relationships. Mm-hmm. They have the relationships that – where not only can they call up a Mark Wright like you did and mm-hmm. say, hey, man, I got this thing. Like, when, when are you free? I got to play this song. I think it would be good for blah, blah, blah. Okay, man. Or, yeah, or just send it over. Or – when you do pitch, well, sometimes there's pitch meetings for an album, right? Mm-hmm. And guess who's on? Guess who, you know, call Cheryl, get him in here. You yeah. know, call this plugger, that plugger, get him in here. Mm-hmm. And, and they're just going to go through what you got now, what's happening right now. Yeah. And so they're getting called too, but those are the relationships. Mm-hmm. When Mark Wright, when somebody like Mark Wright is, is going to have a Cheryl Blackburn and they come in, he's prepared to love it. Exactly. He's like, now, you're does, here because. Does it fit or does it not fit? Right, exactly. Is this good or is it bad? It's always good. It's like, does this work or does it not work for my artist? Like for this project for my artist. Yeah, it's a very specific need. Yeah. And sometimes they don't even know until they hear it. Yep. But the thing is, people like Cheryl, they make their living by showing up as a solution, not a problem. Yep. Somebody walks in consistently or a few times with subpar songs, then then they're a problem. Now you're taking up my time. Mm Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if they show up with one or two or always consistently great, worthy songs, then they're showing up as a potential solution, not a waste of time. And that's how you want to show up. Yeah. And this occurs to me, too. Like, they know how to dress it up, how to frame it, right? Mm -hmm. Because you might have, like, okay, we're looking for this, like, slay you kind of song, this heavy Mm -hmm. song. Or, you know what? This song will play you this song for you. It's a little – this is just – this is like a novelty thing. Yeah. This is like if the right artist does this, it's gonna be cool. But they're being honest with the people they're pitching it to. What mm-hmm. was the one song that we were talking about that I'm thinking about that they oh, I think it was was it honky donk but donk where they're like they played it as a joke, even. It might be. It might because be because it was so funny and they're like, We're gonna cut that, and it was a number one hit. Like I've heard that and they played it as a friggin' joke because it was so out there. So out there. I've heard that that Dixie Chicks hit Goodbye Earl. Mm-hmm. was just not so much pitched as just played around like, y'all got to hear this. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, is, this is so crazy. Because they're just so good and so out there, maybe wasn't even pitched, but they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to cut that. Because it, it. it makes and perfect they sense see, for like, them. We can make that work. Yeah, we can And do they that. totally do. That fit their brand. But yeah. it was probably floating around town just because it was crazy and brilliant and so good and so and out funny. there. And funny. Like, just like, you just so got to hear this. It, very yeah, entertaining. It's entertaining. And it got passed around and found a home and found the right home for sure. Yeah. And another thing is 
Let's see. What would you? This is interview with John Osier, who is still running stuff. I think he's over at Reservoir Music. So all these people are still kicking. Mm-hmm. It. What would you say to a fairly new song player, and I'd add, or songwriter pitching their own songs, about what not to do in a pitch meeting with A and R? So A and R is artist and repertoire. They work at a label, or they might sometimes work for independently for a producer. But basically, their job is to find hits and hit artists, kind of thing. So they're looking for hits. John says, "Don't play too many songs." And don't play songs that aren't up to par. I realize everybody has got has got to start somewhere, and new pluggers in town probably aren't going to have the best catalog. I understand that, and I try to make allowances, but I think it's extremely important for song pluggers to listen to as many songs as possible. They need to be able to hear a hit song, and you don't really have a good perspective till you've listened to at least a few hundred songs. They also need to listen to what everyone else is pitching, know what the competition is, and what they're up against, because if they don't know that, then they don't really know where they stand. Like, really? You may think you're playing the greatest song until you walk into a room and hear Doug Johnson or Craig Wiseman or Jeffrey Steele's song. Then it's like, oh, that's what a hit sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> and this is when when Ozier was working at Curb Records. So he was A&R. So he's speaking from the A&R side. And now he's working on publishing side. And he's also a hit songwriter. Mm-hmm. And so they ask him, what are your biggest challenges in finding songs for your artist? He goes, finding great song ideas that are new and fresh and up-tempo. And John says, there are so many great writers in this town, and I think if people spend as much time looking for great ideas as they did great lines, we'd have a lot more great songs. Mm. I wonder if all those people could do Song Title Challenge and mm. solve that idea part of the equation. Isn't that amazing? If somebody only had a framework to do that. If only. Gee, maybe... That we have proven we- over and over <laughs> And over again. Well, that was that song. That it does, in fact, work. Yeah, that. I mean, we talked about that song that came in from, uh, I believe, Brad Hacker and Patrick Adams, the Drink You On My Mind, when they sent that into mm-hmm. Song Title Challenge. And we rolled that around. And then I think they ended up bringing me in to, to write on it. Mm-hmm. And I pitched to an A&R guy. And one thing he said about it, I was like, I wasn't sure about it, about the title, but that was a really cool different angle y'all took on it. Like, I really liked that. You know, yeah. and so yeah. like the the angle kind of redeemed that yeah, he thought he knew where it was going to go. Yeah. But he didn't know where it was going to go. And it was so a different angle that still fit the market and it was up tempo. Yeah. And that, and they, they sort of took drinking on my mind where he just started when he goes to the bar and he starts drinking. He's just thinking about his boys. Think about his back boys home. back home. Think about the girls back home. And you never know. I just you just may get that 2 a.m. phone call if I keep. Yeah. You know, What's up, this class. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so it became more of, yeah, my, my guys back home, my hometown crew kind of thing. So it was just a fun universal idea too. Yeah. And so out of the ordinary from, uh, I miss her and I drink and I miss her more. I drink and I drink. That's what we call the low hanging fruit. Yeah. Or call you up for a booty call, which Mm -hmm. there are a bazillion of those. I've heard publishers talk about, okay, that's just another one of those. Yeah. Another yeah. one okay. of those. I'm going to put that in this pile over here that is uh, the extension of a dump truck mm-hmm. full of songs that have that same concept. Like, yeah. You don't want to be like. Drinking on my mind about the boys and the girls back home, your homies. They're, that pile's this big. It's, it's, it's got one piece of paper. They're not as many of those. Yeah. It's and, very, very small. And for me as a writer, I want the songs I write to be more of a binary choice. Like, yes, we love this, or no, we don't love this. Not yes, put that in the stack with all the others that are like it. Mm. Like, I'll still take that better than I, you know, nothing. But still, I don't like that math because, like, even if they wanted to do, like, oh, here's the booty call song, great, mm-hmm. put it in the stack with the other 5,000, and we're going to pick the Craig Wiseman one or the or the Shane McAnally one or the Ashley Gorley one. Because, one, they're going to be really well done. Yep. They're mm-hmm. Really solid. And, two, it's more fun to call them and go, I guess who's going to get their 61st number one, <laughs> you know, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It just, yeah. and it's a safer bet. And nobody looks foolish if they cut an Ashley Gorley song. Nobody's job mm-hmm. is on the line because they picked some unknown song that didn't, that underperform. And so when I write, I mean, it's not always the case. You don't always have those, but as much as I can, like, how can we make this a little more where that's not, they don't have a dump truck full of those type of things where even if they love mine, it's got to beat up all the other ones that are just like it. I don't like that math. I'd rather say, yes, I dig this or I don't dig this, but I don't have a ton of them. And it may take longer for that to get cut, but I'd rather have it take longer than have it take never. Yeah. So 
anyway, just a little sidebar on that. But yeah, looking for fresh ideas, tempo. Mm, that's really important. That's mm-hmm. really important. So anyway, the, the book is called Song Plugger. The Cuts and the Bruises, I believe you can get it on Amazon. There are probably still a few left. I think it's a good book. Those interviews, there's still, I mean, there's stuff that's dated, obviously. It's, you know, it's been a while, but there's a lot of timeless wisdom in there about perseverance. Don't overplay. Listen to how they want to listen and respect their time and just a lot of good stuff in there. So I recommend And, and timeless wisdom also like perspective, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you realize that that Cheryl Blackburn got Blackman. two cuts, one that he pitched 40, 40 times. 39 times, one like 130 something or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, okay, now we had, um, we just had Tracy on the show. and Tracy and, Hits, yep. Yeah. And she was like, and last night she was at the thing for the, for Bridget's publishing party last night. Mm-hmm. She was there and we were talking and she was talking about one artist and an artist we both know, we both love and everything like that. And she's got like over 200 songs. Mm-hmm. She she's, makes a living doing this. She does amazingly well. And she's, she's like, well, how long has it been since you pitched a song? Answer, like never. Five years. Like, she's never pitched a song. Hmm. And it's like, okay, like, come on. Yeah. You got to go pitch that. Like, it, it's like these could have a life outside of you. You yeah. know what I mean? And so it's important that you do that. I love that. This is, this is a good one, Brent. Well, thank so. you. So I figure not all the good stuff has come out of my head, and there's a lot of good stuff that's not in my head. So I'll try to do this <laughs> a little bit more often, find a good book, a good resource, and bring it to you, dear climber. So, hey, you know, one thing we do, and, and I've gone over this book a little bit in one of my jam sessions recently at, at songwritingpro.com jam session it's an acronym stands for just ask me so if you have like follow-up questions and stuff like this or whatever every month so far without fail for the last several years we have a jam session which is we hop on zoom and it's for members only and we hop on zoom and i'll share like a story out of something like this or some sort of nugget for like 10 minutes and then we open it up to questions from the song pros and they could ask whatever about the art, the craft, the business of songwriting. We record them. They go in the member area as a resource for our members. So we actually have one coming up tonight at the time of this recording, which is going to be fun. They're always a good time. And so we just have a lot of opportunities for songwriters to pick each other's brains, to pick my brain, to get stuff that I'm not sharing everywhere else. And if you're interested in that, on with some help on your climb, songwritingpro.com. We have some giveaways there, some some little gifts for you for stopping by. And it's just fun. We have a 14-day free trial if you really want to dig in into the good stuff. So that's songwritingpro.com. There you go. All right, guys. Well, that takes us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. We love you. We want you to win. That's Amen. why we made this podcast. It exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. Or in now Cooley's office. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.